This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Twenty fifteen. Security was grossly inadequate. I've lost more sleep than all of you put together. I was so excited, you know, Bill Cos. From Triumph. No one should control access to the internet. To tragedy. This is an act of barbarism here in Paris. Refugees became a huge story all of a sudden. And everything in between worth remembering. 2015, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts. Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe. Hi, it's Doc and Skip for the year in your ear. 2015, I think, proved that the new normal is that there is no normal. Every year, it seems like it's constant change. We're always on edge anymore. It seems like we never have peace of mind on anything anymore. And I think people are really craving that, to be able to go and recognize the America outside their door. And I think that's going to be a major theme of the upcoming election. I think you're right about that with the election. Jay Severin joins us now from the Blaze Radio Network at theblaze.com slash radio. Jay, the election has to be a top 10 story from 2015. Well, certainly the second most important story of 2015, behind and right behind terrorism, was, well, not so much politics, but the campaign. Because the campaign is civics, circus, maximus, richly theatrical, entertaining. And that campaign in 2015 guaranteed us civics, circus, maximus for the coming 2016. It was the anticipated big show, but no one anticipated this. You know, the Democrat side was no real mystery, ever, was it, And any time during the year? We all knew that it was going to be Hillary. But the Republicans, oh, they provided us the show business, the pizzazz, the melodrama, wild diversity, not to mention a volume of candidates and a volubility of candidates. And then, out of nowhere, came Donald Trump. Whoa, the Trump phenomenon, absolutely monumental. Now, you know, it's the burden of many of us who talked about this and who got to discuss it with you all year that our observation of the Trump phenomenon added up to some kind of endorsement. Nah, I'm a Ted Cruz guy. I mean, I, I think that's probably worth stating here, full disclosure. I'm not a Trump guy, but how can you be in the news and conversation business and not care, not observe what the Trump phenomenon is? He has essentially transformed, if only momentarily, American politics. You know what Trump is? He's the fruits of the Tea Party tree. Whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, That's the Tea Party electorate that won't go away. Uh, According to progressives, zombies. But they won't go away, at least not yet. Then came the debates. And the beauty of the Trump phenomenon, again, like him or not, was that Trump brought to the debates a great magnification of interest. All of a sudden... It was like a sporting event. Everyone was going to watch the debates. 
more people wanted to participate in civics, which I thought was a good thing. They all thought in the establishment that this would be the end of Trump. Guess what? He didn't die in the first debate. The Republican establishment is still betting everything on the the notion that Trump will somehow disappear. He hasn't. Now, it's not as if Donald Trump didn't help with a continuing series of outrageous statements, or at least statements that were widely viewed as outrageous. And, you know, you have to when he mocks the disabled. And then, as he did in mid-December, make the statement that no more Muslims allowed in the country until we figure out what's going on. Well, we will see in practical effect whether that proves to be an acceptable statement. But as we headed into the holidays, it was being decried on both political sides as absolute bigotry. And then we went through the summer. Trump was still there. And then came ISIS. It had an impact on all of us. And, of course, it had an impact on the candidates and the game they were playing. The game they were playing is this campaign. Now, it hurt some candidates and helped others. There is evidence now to assume that terrorism hurt badly Rand Paul and also was the beginning of the Dr. Carson fade. And both of those are very real. And you know what? It seemed to help Trump. So then we go through the fall and Thanksgiving approached. Carson faded. All of a sudden, Cruz and Rubio started to rise. But Trump remained a solid or soiled, depending on who you ask, number one. And there's one debate remaining all of a sudden for the Republicans. And still Trump has not fallen. Obama delivers a monumental speech, which in many minds was a monumental bust, about terrorism. He tells us that we're safe, don't worry, a few days before Thanksgiving and five days later, terror strikes in California. And this came, as you'll recall, as you've heard, on the heels of Paris. It's fair to say Americans were pretty concerned. Obama seemed to be in denial. Trump said, Bob, the blank out of them. And everyone applauded. The public, as the year closed, was riveted on and anxious about terror. It certainly had a political effect. Trump continued to horrify Democrats and some Republicans, but still ahead with virtually every political group in America. Uh, Christmas approaches. Campaign remains Hillary Clinton versus Trump or Carson or Rubio or Cruz. Oh, yeah. Time to mention the biggest political surprise, as in flop of 2015. Heb. Maybe in modern political history. Heb. Bush, that is. Heb Bush. Here he is, picked as uh, the guy who picked an exclamation point as his campaign symbol. I guess correctly. I don't know what else it would be. A question mark? The unstoppable legacy. Republican pedigree. Can't miss candidate, son of Bush, 
brother of Bush, have spent virtually all of 2015 at about 5% in the polls. Heb, don't worry. With your money and charisma, maybe you'll spend next year at 6%. But seriously, he's got money. And money keeps you in the campaign. It's why, by the way, as we came to the holidays, so few Republicans with no hope didn't drop out. At this point, it's about money. They need to raise their speaking fees next year to pay off debt from this year. No kidding. With Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina primaries just now days away, you know, Hillary Clinton is really just marking time. And Republicans are what? Whistling past the graveyard? Because unless and until Donald Trump just goes away or a frozen leg of lamb falls out of a passing airliner and bops him uh, or voters go away, there is room for only one Republican nominee. And as our year ended, many wondered, feared, that maybe the ultimate choice really is going to be Hillary or Trump. Choose now. Hillary or Trump. Does it give you a migraine? It does almost everyone. And some fear whether the only way to defeat Clinton is with a bigger name, a bigger circus act, if you will, than Clinton. And that's only Trump, for better, or as so many believe, worse, as we went to the holidays. Iowa caucuses, New Hampshire, South Carolina, the SEC primary, the debates, unpredictable events, equal an upcoming year of the Civic Circus Maximus and great American history right here, together. Every day. Thanks, Jay. Trump is a wild card that we just can't completely factor in in this election. No polls or statistics. You can't use past ones to determine what's going to happen. There's no precedent for Trump. The one thing we do know, 2016 is going to be a grand spectacle. Coming up on the year in your ear, the unlikely big story from 2015. Counting down the biggest moments of 2015. This is the year in your ear. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. To 2015, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network at theblaze.com slash radio. Aside from breaking news stories, I think the unexpected story of 2015 is the unlikely campaign issue of immigration. Yeah, no, we saw it back in 2014 with Dave Bratt. He unseated Eric Cantor by making that a major campaign issue. When Trump started actually gaining some notoriety, his main point was illegal immigration. Chris Salcedo joins us from the Blaze Radio Network now. Chris, I'm always thrilled to hear your opinions, especially those about immigration. Doc Skip, thank you very much, kind sirs. Much obliged. As the liberty-loving Latino here on the Blaze Radio Network, I, of course, 
keep an eye on a lot of issues, including the border. Many Americans have been rightly disgusted by our government, not specifying any party here. It's a government problem. Our government's inability or unwillingness to secure the southern border. I think the frustration by the American people, you know, being told over and over and over again, there's just nothing that can be done. You just have to accept illegal immigration. I think this this frustration is probably the singular issue which has propelled the Trump campaign to stratospheric heights. It's not only why Trump is besting the Republican Party. He's also besting anything the Democrats can throw at him. Case in point. Hillary Rodham Clinton. Recently, Mrs. Clinton was challenged by an illegal immigrant, a rather infamous and famous illegal immigrant. His name, Jose Antonio Vargas. Mr. Vargas is an alleged journalist, a Pulitzer Prize winner, as a matter of fact, and as mentioned, is an illegal immigrant to the United States of America. And because liberals believe in rewarding illegal activity... Mr. Vargas and many others like him are allowed to stay in America and continue to thrive despite their illegal status. Now, Mr. Vargas decided he would pose a question to Mrs. Clinton. Uh, Here's the quote I'm reading from The Hill. On behalf of the organization I founded, Define American. Oh, that's rich. What a name that is. Uh, And the 11.7 million undocumented immigrants in this country, which, by the way, that's a lowball number, folks. Some folks put it higher than 12 million. Some put it higher than 20 million. We just don't know. That's part of the problem. Anyway, he continued. uh, On behalf of the 11.7 million undocumented immigrants in this country, including myself, I am asking that all presidential candidates recognize that hashtag words matter (laughs) by committing to not using the term illegal when referencing the undocumented population. Well, Hillary Clinton couldn't wait to get to the nearest camera, microphone, or or to get to uh, her Twitter account as she responded, yes, I will. I will commit to not using the term illegal immigrant when referencing those who have broken into the country. I, um, <laughs> I got to tell you, this is, this is pandering to the highest degree. Mrs. Clinton continued... As I have said throughout this campaign, the people at the heart of this issue are children, parents, families, dreamers. Now, I've got a problem with this on a lot of levels. First off, that last statement, the people at the heart of this issue, Mrs. Clinton, most liberals, Democrats, and even some Chamber of Commerce Republicans, they actually believe the people at the heart of this issue are the illegal immigrants, putting the illegal immigrants first, when in actuality, the people at the heart of this issue are the law-abiding citizens of the United States of America, who believe that their immigration laws ought to be enforced, ought to be respected. They are the people that should be first in line, in priority to any elected official, Democrat, Republican, or otherwise. But this issue has been so perverted that, that these, these politicians pandering to a group of people who really have no say in the matter. Illegal immigrants have no seat at this table. I am fond of saying to illegal immigrants who feel they like Mr. Jose Antonio Vargas here, shut up. 
You don't have a seat at this table. Let Americans handle this. We will let you know what we decide. And, and again, there, has a, there needs to be a decision made here, to be quite frank. We, we cannot go with this status quo, which has enabled this. And as a matter of fact, the lawlessness that we have undertaken for the better part of half a century has resulted in a disaster. It hurts the legal immigrant community. You know those people that shell out tons of money and lots of paperwork to come in here the correct way? It hurts the illegal immigrant community. I mean, there are illegals here who have American citizen children, and those children live under this specter of maybe mom and dad won't be there because they might be deported one day. This is a consequence of lawless behavior. And of course, not to mention last but not least, the American taxpayer who has to foot the bill for all of this garbage, the tune of billions upon billions of dollars, supporting a border patrol that's not allowed to do its job, supporting all kinds of entitlements. Oh, yes, I know there's a federal prohibition on entitlements that go to illegal immigrants. But that doesn't stop the federal government from funneling the money down into sanctuary cities. So those aforementioned sanctuary cities can continue to give benefits to illegal immigrants. In fact, it's the politically correct garbage spewed by Mr. Jose Antonio Vargas that leads to sanctuary cities. We can't even call the folks who violate our laws illegal immigrants anymore. We have to call them undocumented migrants or migrant workers or some politically correct BS. I'm so tired of this. And this is how the left wing works. They disarm us so we can't properly identify the problem and solve the problem. Mrs. Clinton talking about her advocacy for comprehensive immigration reform. Let me tell you, folks, about that comprehensive immigration reform that sits in the Senate right now. It isn't worth the paper it's printed on. All it is is a glossing over and legitimization of illegal immigration at the behest of the Chamber of Commerce and extremist liberals in this country who want a new dependent voting class. While we're speaking of this phenomenon of sanctuary cities, Kate Steinle ring a bell with anybody? Oh, yes. She was the individual who was gunned down as she was having a stroll out in San Francisco with her father, dying in her father's arms at the hands of a five-time felon, multiple deportee in this country that Jose Antonio Vargas wants us not to call an illegal immigrant. Illegal immigration is wrong, it is immoral, and it is bad for the United States of America. Period. End of sentence. As Donald Trump has adequately shown, the first set of elected leaders to realize this wins. That's a great point. And for some reason, most of the candidates just don't get it. This issue matters. Well, it's a major issue for a lot of people, not just those constitutional Americans, but put yourself in the mindset of somebody who came here legally, paid the money to go through the system the right way. And you take a look at these illegal immigrants, it's wrong. Check out Chris Salcedo Saturdays on theblaze.com slash radio. That's theblaze.com slash radio. Coming up, a story from 2015. Of a man forced from the house that he's been in for decades. Lots of stories about Syrian refugees. I mean, fleeing no, no, ISIS. No, no. I'm talking about John Boehner. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was kicked out of the yeah. House of Representatives. We'll also talk about the Syrian okay, refugees. Coming up when the year in your ear continues. 
2015, the year in your ear. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. To 2015, the year in your ear. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe. Doc and Skip with the year in your ear. You can find out more about us and our show by going to theblaze.com slash Doc and Skip. As in just about every year, the Middle East was a big story in 2015. But this year, Syria really became a focus. From the Blaze Radio Network, Buck Sexton joins us now. So the Syrian civil war has been raging on for four years, and you haven't heard all that much about refugees. Refugees weren't much of an issue until all of a sudden they started showing up from that Syrian conflict at the door of Europe, not in the thousands or the tens of thousands, but in the hundreds of thousands. We have seen this catastrophe that started in Syria and has now spread even further in the region completely uh, push out millions of people. And it's not just in Syria either. It's in other Muslim Arab countries as well. In fact, it stretches even beyond the Arab world into just what used to be termed the third world. There is an influx of refugees expected to be a million by the time you hear this in Germany alone for this year. So refugees became a huge story all of a sudden in 2015. It was not something you had heard much about Before then, you finally saw European states deciding that they would have to figure out, are they really going to put refugees, Muslim refugees primarily, many from Syria, but many not, in small rural communities? Do places in Bavaria, do places in Hungary, do places in you name the region or the country, have to take in these refugees, or are they then bad people? These were very serious questions that were raised. You had Angela Merkel, leader of Germany, saying that they essentially had an open-door policy. But then some of the analysts, some of the counterterrorism specialists, the security personnel who look at these issues, realize that if this open-door policy continued, it was only a matter of time before we would be hit, they would be hit. Someone would suffer a catastrophic terrorist attack. This then kicked off a fierce debate, a discussion that only intensified in the aftermath of the Paris terrorist attacks, which at least in part relied upon the confusion of the refugee uh, refugee influx into Europe. There was a passport found that was believed to belong to one of the attackers that showed him checking in where refugees from the Syrian conflict had been checking in. So now this became a real issue. Now, all of a sudden, there was a recognition that the entire Western world was now supposed to play host to all of these refugees. This is not just a cultural and political concern for them, but also, of course, a security one. And the debates were fierce. But in this country, it was a shorter and more cynical discussion. In the aftermath of the Paris attacks, President Obama decided that 10,000 Syrian refugees would have to be taken into this country, despite the fact that there has been reporting, in fact, there have been senior politicians who have talked about 
the fact that the terrorists have considered using these very migrant flows to get into America. So refugees became quite a story over the last 12 months. It is only going to grow in 2016 because the numbers of refugees are only going to grow in 2016. Look for this political debate to be one of the fiercest, to have all kinds of accusations of xenophobia and racism and counter accusations of selling out Western civilization, of being unwilling to do what is necessary to secure the homeland. Refugees 2016 is going to be a big story to watch. And with continuing fears of another terrorist attack on America, all of that is certainly going to be a focus. Thanks, Buck. Appreciate it. For more information on Buck Sexton, go to theblaze.com slash radio. You know, but with all the talk of terrorism and that, it's, there was some good news in 2015. Good news? What do you what There good was some news? good news. You know what? I'm going to let Mike Opalka remind you. Ladies and gentlemen, editor-at-large of theblaze.com, Mike Opalka. One of the longest-running soap operas in Washington, D.C. in the past year has swirled around the office of the Speaker of the House, John Boehner. Boehner started the year in a dogfight to keep his job. It was January 6th when he was finally reelected after a couple of weeks of speculation that he might face challenges and then actual challenges popping up with folks like Louis Gohmert tossing their hats into the ring to take on Boehner. A lot of the young conservatives or recently elected conservatives didn't think Boehner was tough enough that he couldn't stand up to Obama. But he was reelected, and then he did what any good leader would do after winning a victory. He punished people who opposed him by stripping folks of their chairmanships over committees. The year continued with little bumps and surprises for Boehner when Representative Mark Meadows filed a resolution trying to replace him. That resolution actually gained a little bit of traction, but never really took hold. And then it got interesting. At the end of the summer, when Pope Francis came to visit, now Boehner, a good Catholic boy from Ohio, had been trying to get the Pope to come to America and speak to a joint session of Congress for 20 years. This Pope, Pope Francis, finally agreed to do just that. And the day after he spoke to a joint session of Congress, The day after, he stood with John Boehner, took some pictures, and actually asked the Speaker of the House to pray for him. Boehner said he was resigning his position. After five years as Speaker of the House and 25 years in the House of Representatives, John Boehner was going out on the high he had from getting Pope Francis to speak to a joint session of Congress. But the soap opera wasn't over. Boehner had essentially anointed Kevin McCarthy to be his replacement. Representative McCarthy looked the part. However, he stumbled too. In a loose lip kind of a moment, McCarthy actually made the statement that the Benghazi investigation was politically motivated to take Hillary Clinton out of the 2016 presidential race. And, not helping him, rumors of an extramarital affair. So McCarthy pulled his name from consideration, 
And in fact, Boehner then thought about delaying the vote to replace himself. In the end, Paul Ryan, someone who probably would have been given the Boehner seal of approval anyway, was elected as the new Speaker of the House, the 54th Speaker of the House of Representatives. Ryan is a non-smoker and said he probably can't get the smell of smoke out of Boehner's office, so he's just going to keep his old office for the moment. Oh, and if you're worried about not seeing John Boehner on Capitol Hill, he's going to take advantage of this little-known provision. It allows him to keep an office on Capitol Hill for five years. And guess who's going to pay for it? That's right, you and I. Boehner will have an office and a staff of up to three people, and they can be paid over $100,000 each. He plans on taking advantage of it. Although Boehner said he's not going to be going out looking for new office space, he's actually going to look in the house complex and find an empty office. So we're not paying the the full price for John Boehner to stick around. Thanks, Mike. You can follow Mike Opalka on Twitter. It's at StuntBrain because he's a StuntBrain. Coming up next, Mike Broomhead reminds us of a big story in 2015 that was also a huge story in 2014. Well, and 2013 and, well, 2012, all the way back to 1930, actually. Actually, all the way back to 1920, now that I think about it. In fact, when you really take a look at it, it's really back to the whole Revolutionary War days. That's next on The Year in Your Ear. You're listening to The Year in Your Ear, rehashing the biggest stories of 2015 with your hosts, Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe from the Blaze Radio Network. is 2015, the year in your ear, presented by the Blaze Radio Network. Hi, it's Doc and Skip with the year in your ear. In 2015, we launched a campaign to address a major problem that was also a huge story as well. It's our campaign to hashtag fix the VA. We've been releasing episodic documentaries on the VA and showing the failures of the VA, telling stories of veterans who have not been able to get care for things they have earned. You can check out our videos by going to olavo.us, O-L-A-V-O.us. You can just click on the Fix the VA tab and you'll see all of our videos. We were going to do one big documentary and then we thought, you know what, let's do a lot of smaller documentaries to tell the stories of veterans or their family members that have been injured by the VA because then hopefully it'll stay in the news cycle. And after the first of the year, we are going to ramp this up even bigger. And we're not going to just stop at videos as well. We want you to share these to tell the stories, but we got a lot of other things planned too. Yeah, so if you do have a story about that, use the hashtag FixTheVA if you are on social media. That's hashtag FixTheVA and share these videos. Ultimately, if you want to fix the VA... We're going to have to do it ourselves. We can fix it by shutting it down. We can fix it by changing it. I'm open to all suggestions. But damn it, this year we are going to hashtag fix the VA. With more on the failures of the Veterans Administration in 2015, from KFYI Radio in Phoenix, Arizona, Mike Broomhead is with us. The VA scandal started, or was recognized at the Phoenix VA first. We saw the fake lists in which 
Veterans weren't getting care in a timely fashion, but the management at the VA decided that in a way to continue to get their bonuses and show that they were performing well at a management level, they created a fake list. And they made sure that when a veteran came in to schedule an appointment, the veteran was given an appointment maybe four, five, six, eight months down the road. And they wouldn't enter it into the computer and have it in the file that it was eight months out. They would actually make a hard copy on a piece of paper and keep it in a book. And then once the appointment was inside of 30 days, then they would enter the information into the computer as if the appointment had just been made that month. That way it showed that veterans were getting care within the 30-day period. We were hearing from veterans over and over again that it was months and months and months that they were out not seeing a doctor. And finally, this was exposed by a doctor at the VA who said he couldn't take it anymore. It's what followed the scandal that has really made me sick to my stomach. Because in the year and a half, almost two years that's followed this, we've had a brand new VA director who is not doing his job. The Congress actually passed a law making it easier to fire managers. Not one manager in any of the VA hospitals around the country have been fired because of this scandal. Veterans have died waiting for care. Not just a couple of veterans. Can you attribute it directly to the wait? Nobody knows that for sure. In a couple of cases, it seems like that's exactly what happened. But it doesn't matter about the deaths um, in the sense that it doesn't change the problem for being horrible. Not one manager was fired. The Phoenix VA manager was fired because she took a gift from a lobbyist, not because of the fake list. And she sued to get her job back. She didn't get her job back, but she tried. They replaced management at the Phoenix VA with people that have had problems in other parts of the country. They don't go outside of the agency. They're not looking for new blood and fresh ideas. They haven't done anything to change. There was an investigation in the Phoenix VA that said that the morale was down. Whistleblowers were sent to work out of the basement. They were tried their careers where they attempted to ruin the careers of these people. My question for all of us, forget the politicians in Washington for just a moment. This is about you and I. The veterans of this country have made a promise. They promised that they would uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. They promised if asked, they would lay down their lives for their country. They just take orders. They don't issue them. They don't choose where they go. But when called upon, they go. They've served. They have met their commitments. Our commitment to them was health care. In my opinion, the choice card is the best way to go. Give them the gold standard. Give them a card that they can go to the VA if they want to or any medical facility in the entire country And the government is going to pay for that health care. When they need it, they should have it. That's my opinion. But my question to all of us is, why aren't we doing something about it? The voting public demanding of our Congress members that they will get something done, that we will not stand for them making excuses. Why is the head of the VA still the head of the VA? Why did the VA overspend by $1.7 or $8 billion on one project and then cry about being over budget? Why are the problems of the VA not fixed? Why is it in the United States of America the standard for care for an inmate in a prison is 24 hours? For a veteran, it's 30 days, and they can't meet that standard. Inmates get care within 24 hours because there are activists in this country that will make sure that inmates are treated fairly. Veterans sleep under a bridge and wait months for care. That's an indictment on us. We tolerate this. And I believe that in the next year, we should commit together to making that change.
Let's recommit to the veterans, to the men and women that have served this country, and show them that they've stood up for us, and now we, we will stand up for them. I know we can do it together. I will continue the fight on my end. I hope you'll join me in that fight. Yes, we must do it together. We must change the culture at the VA by putting pressure on Congress during the upcoming primary season. Hashtag fix the VA. Mike Brimhead, thank you so much. Skip Lacombe and Doc Thompson on the year in your ear. Skip, we have covered so many things already. I don't know if there's much left for us to cover. Well, what already... do you mean? There's all kinds of stuff left. Maybe we have, one thing. The Planned Parenthood videos. Okay, we'll cover that. What else? We got Bruce Jenner's transformation into Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, we got the, the gay marriage ruling. We got Cosby. We got Fogel. All kinds of stuff. You see, you just gave all that away. Oh. Well, you know, tell me. we'll cover that and more coming up on The Year in Your Ear. This is 2015. The Year in Your Ear, a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Twenty fifteen. Security was grossly inadequate. I've lost more sleep than all of you put together. I was so excited, you know, Bill Cosby. From Triumph. No one should control access to the internet. To tragedy. This is an act of barbarism here in Paris. Refugees became a huge story all of a sudden. And everything in between worth remembering. 2015, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts. Doc Thompson, and Skip Lacombe. This is the Year in Your Ear, a service of the Blaze Radio Network and broadcast on great stations nationwide. I'm Doc Thompson, along with Skip Lacombe. You can find out more about us at theblaze.com slash Skip. That's theblaze.com slash Skip. You can always keep in touch, too, on Twitter. Just follow at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. There was a big story in 2015 that sadly has already started to fade. It was huge and... Now it's fading. That's abortion and the Planned Parenthood videos. Once the first couple of videos came out, they were the hottest thing on the Internet. But by the fourth, fifth, sixth video came out, people were desensitized. Yeah, and we're talking about people that are concerned about abortion, people who do not support abortion, that thought it was awful. And they've already become desensitized to it. That's really sad. Where's it going to go in the future? We'll see. Pat and Stu join us now from the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, One of the major things this year was that Jeffy is... Still fat. Uh, one of the major. That's probably one of the biggest really? things this year. Yeah. yeah, it's still trending. And I'm uh, sure, there was other things. Yeah. Hashtag Jeffy's overweight. overweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> if you ever want us to read something on Twitter, just hashtag it with Jeffy is overweight, and it's pretty much guaranteed <laughs> to get there. read. It's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, another another big incident, of course, was the Planned Parenthood uh, situation where. Where they were clandestinely taped, and we found out that Planned Parenthood is in the business of selling aborted baby parts, aborted baby body parts. I mean, shocking stuff. Still hasn't shut down Planned Parenthood, uh, but we <laughs> yeah. were pretty taken aback with it all. This is an amazing. This is an amazing part of our world right now because the standards get changed so much. We find out that an organization, Planned Parenthood, is selling uh, baby parts. For seemingly profit. I mean, they try to deny that, but all the evidence on the tapes kind of indicates 
or at least strongly hints at they're profiting off of this. So the, the, the response to that is not that the organization immediately gets shut down. The response is not that the practice of abortion that kills millions of babies each year uh, gets eliminated from our society or at least becomes illegal. The, 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 the move is not uh, anything other than we would like to not give them any more money from the government. That standard is the one that was chased by Republicans, and they couldn't even meet that. Couldn't even get that done. Uh, and and the response from liberals on this was, uh, well, the tape is deceptive. It's deceptively so, edited. It's deceptive. Edited. What In what way? How sure. was it edited that changed any of the content? Take it out of context. Uh, in what way? How would showing all 300 hours of it change anything see that's where something is taken out of context is if it changes the overall meaning of what you're presenting right you know then you got a case yeah what don't have a case what's honestly taken out of context in this particular instance is their use of the word editing because what Mm -hmm. you when you hear editing you're thinking okay well he said he uh uh you know jeffy said that he was committing a crime and then you listen to the tape and the opposite is true I mean, of course, that would never happen because Jeffy always commits the crimes. Um, but in this case, it was shortened for because it was hundreds of hours. So you shortened it so that people would actually watch it. And then secondarily, to back that claim up, they released all the tapes. They just released them all. Uh, so you got if you wanted to sit through 25 hours of, of boring guys sitting in waiting room of Planned Parenthood, you could. Uh, that's kind of a pretty compelling way. And now all they do is they say they were edited, number one, and then the, the media um, says over and over again that this is an anti-abortion group and these are discredited tapes. Well, no one's going to go check and see if they are discredited. They're not going to watch them. They just believe the media. At first, they tried to claim that this was a well-funded organization. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And then it turned out that they had had, I think, received donations of... Like a few thousand dollars. Yeah, twenty thousand. We had the we had the guy on uh, yeah. the, the the radio show, yeah. and he talked about uh, you know wondering if he was going to actually be able to eat, right? Because they didn't have any money. And then you compare that well-funded organization to Planned Parenthood that gets five hundred million dollars a year <laughs> just from us, just from a, that, American taxpayers. Yeah, that's the frustrating. And thing. is what a two billion dollar organization? Right. We're talking about a. a a percentage of the money just given from us to them. They yeah. still have all kinds of money. Yeah, it's even even outside of the atrocities that uh, Planned Parenthood has uh, committed over the years, there's no reason for us to be dumping five hundred million dollars into an organization that commits abortions, even if they don't sell the baby parts. Um, and uh, you know, it's such a ridiculous standard. And what do the what do the Republicans do? Well, they say, well, we're going to take funding away. From uh, Planned Parenthood and give it to other uh, women's health organizations. The most, the 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 smallest of baby steps, and we can't even get that done. Nope. Then what happens is somebody apparently is shot at or near or around or from a Planned Parenthood clinic, and so everybody who spoke out against Planned Parenthood for selling uh, aborted baby body parts is at least in part responsible for that shooting. I mean, it's it's the most agonizing, incomprehensible situation I've ever sure seen. Although it's it's a it's an incredibly rare one. We've seen from since if you include all three of the uh, deaths at this Planned Parenthood shooting, um as 
pro-life, uh, people, you know, people from the pro-life movement were responsible for it. I, uh-huh. I don't know that that's we could say that is actually proven at this point, but let's just play that game. You get to eight deaths right. from the pro-life movement since 1977. Um, uh, it, it's not a big number. Uh, eight in forty years. Eight in forty years. That's like one every five years. That's too many. Nobody wants any. But you compare that to some other deaths that they never talk about, and like uh, I don't know, uh, radical terrorism, mm. like uh, like uh, uh, you might be familiar with this one, heart disease, heart disease, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> alcohol related deaths. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, a slipping in a bathtub. Uh, <laughs> dishwasher injuries. Uh, well, all about, of those are bigger. Think about this. I could think of, at the very least, in the past five years, two incidents where people fell off of stadium levels when they were at games right. oh, yeah. and have died during the game. Right now, it, that's in the last five years. Two. If you project that over forty years, you'd get to sixteen. Right? It should be double the amount that have come in from the entire pro-life movement. I don't know if we're going to make stadiums illegal or not, uh, but it is it is a ridiculous standard that we're trying to, you know, there are these comparisons that they try to make, and it's because they don't like it. They don't like the idea that you'd shut down their, their, their fun, which, whatever reason, uh, includes, um, you know, killing babies. And again, it's the false premise, right? I mean, the argument is that, hey, we don't want to be shut down. Why are you shutting down Planned Parenthood? We're not. But I know. That, in that, I mean, I know I... We talked about this, but it's like, that's what's frustrating. Like, we're, you're right. We're not talking about it. Shouldn't we be? Shouldn't we? Yes, we I, I should. Mean, yeah. you know, yes. Should we, we should. always constantly aim for these little tiny steps? Do, 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 do the people who wanted gay marriage aim for little tiny baby steps? No. no, no they went not. for all of it and got it. And, you know, yes, this is the same thing. I mean, I, I as much as abortion has been sort of uh, this topic, and we've talked about this over the years, Pat, of kind of became this boring instead of the practice of uh people losing their lives it became uh a talk radio topic where talk radio people would go on and they'd say i think it's bad and people liberals would call they say i think it's good and they'd fight it out on the air and it became so boring the talk radio stopped talking about it why mm-hmm. do you hate women right mm-hmm. and what happened in that p- period we got, got you killed a, you got yeah. to a point where you know and so did 50 million babies yeah i mean and so it's 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 incredibly tragic, but honestly, for that one, if all we do in our entire lives uh, is to make that practice illegal, if tax rates rise to 90% and all of the other things we fight for every day we fail on, but we were to succeed on that one, we, I, I would go pretty happily to, uh, to the end of my life in front of the, uh, you know, the pearly gates and say, you know what, at least we got that one done. Because you got tens of millions of people that should be alive that are not. And that should not be a legally accepted practice. Thank you, Stu. That was very passionate. Very passionate. Very, very passionate. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, guys. There was an odd and interesting spectacle surrounding gay marriage in 2015. Religious freedoms, occupational protections, civil liberties all came head to head in Kentucky. I think I've heard this joke. No, it's not a joke. It was. You should know. They all walked into a bar. No, it was a news story from 2015. No, I think the guy he had like a parrot on his arm. Coming up, Michael Palka will share his thoughts on the year in your ear. This is 2015. The Year in Your Ear, a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network.
Welcome back to 2015, the year in your ear. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe. Hi, it's Doc and Skip with the year in your ear. I certainly support the rule of law. I also support the Constitution and First Amendment rights. Now, those things shouldn't come into conflict, but somehow they did this year in Kentucky. When the Supreme Court made their ruling about gay marriage being legal all across the country, that all of a sudden made things a little complicated for states in which they were previously illegal and people who held positions that were important within that that had to issue licenses and whatnot. Some of the blame for confusion falls on the Supreme Court, but most of it falls on progressives. Because somehow they believe that one ruling from the Supreme Court can actually trump the entire First Amendment. That makes no sense. Editor-at-large of TheBlaze.com, Michael Palka joins us now. Mike, when the Supreme Court made their ruling, the topic of gay marriage was back in the spotlight. Also in the spotlight, rainbow-colored spotlights, the White House. As President Obama saw the White House bathed in the rainbow-colored spotlight so often associated with the rainbow flag of the gay coalitions. Obama asked about the White House, said, pretty cool. There were people who didn't find it cool, though. For example, County Clerk Kim Davis from Kentucky. I've been called Hitler. I've been called a hypocrite. I've been called a homophobe. I've been called things and names that I didn't even say when I was in the world. Um, Those names don't hurt me. What probably hurts me the worst is when someone tells me that my God does not love me or that my God is not happy with me. Davis said she wasn't going to issue any licenses to people of the same sex if they wanted to get married in her county. She ended up going to jail. She also ended up in the spotlight on news, both left and right, demonized by the left, supported and honored by many on the right. She was even brought to Washington, D.C. and received an award from the Conservative Value Voters Summit. And had a brief but private meeting with Pope Francis. Somebody else who isn't keen on gay marriage, the cake bakers, who are still fighting the ruling that would cost them a whole lot of money and basically put them out of business. The Colorado bakers from the Masterpiece Cake Shop are still standing up and saying it's not right. Their appeal will probably go all the way to the Supreme Court before it is settled. In the meantime, they have refused to make cakes and refused to pay the fine, likening it to a violation of their own religious freedom, despite the fact that the Colorado Supreme Court says they can't use faith as a refusal to make a gay wedding cake, calling that discrimination. We'll watch this as it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, probably in 2016. I think you're right, Mike. I think they're likely going to hear this. See, the Supreme Court helped create this mess. 
And I think it's time for them to help clean up this mess based on our God-granted, constitutionally protected rights. It's Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe. Skip, uh, it's the pronouns that I have so much trouble with in this new world that the progressives are creating. It's the pronouns, the he versus she versus Z or Zim based on how somebody self-identifies and trans... Caitlyn Jenner, for example. Is it thank you? See, here's the deal. I don't want to be offensive with this. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. But if somebody who's always been a male, you accidentally call that person a he after they come out and say they would like to be a woman now or feel they are a woman, that's just confusing. It's difficult to deal with sometimes. There are too many rules. I I, I need to carry around a book of rules with me. And that's just way too much. Listen, live your life. You want to say you're a woman trapped in a man's body or a man trapped in the body of a snow owl? I don't care. Live your life. I'm not keeping you down. But do not expect everyone else to change their life to fit what you want. And I think that's where we're at with Caitlyn Jenner, for example. Well, put it in perspective this time, Glamour Magazine named her the Woman of the Year this year. So to recap, the Glamour Woman of the Year in 2015 was born with a penis. May still have a penis. It may, possibly, yes. We don't know. A few more, a few more tests. Now, Bruce's transformation was a shock to a lot of people, but there's been speculation for years. From the Blaze Radio Network, Andrew WK joins us. Now, I remember seeing in the tabloids going back quite some time speculation that Bruce Jenner was beginning to look different. Uh, and some were saying that he had begun turning himself into a woman. Begun the process not only in his hair getting longer, but also surgical procedures, changes in his demeanor, and so on and so forth. With all due respect to the tabloids, I've often assumed that whatever they said was most likely completely false. But this was a case where they really were absolutely correct and about a situation that I really thought couldn't possibly be true. But it was only a few years until Caitlyn Jenner premiered herself to the world. And this, from what I can tell, is rather unprecedented, especially in an athlete And what I can say first and foremost on a personal level is that I find it quite striking that in this great country, the United States of America, that we have such liberty that a man can decide to become a woman even at a very late stage in life. And whether you agree with the principles involved, or the ethics, or the morals, or any other beliefs that would cast certain judgments on this person, there are many countries, many countries around the world, where not only would this not be permitted, but it would be punishable by death. And I am very thankful to live in a country where not only is it not punishable, but it has been celebrated. And even if you don't like it, I think it is an, uh, probably as strong as an example of liberty as there could possibly be. 
for a person to follow their own path to becoming who they think they are, who they want to be, who they are to themselves, to follow their destiny, regardless of what others may think, regardless of the world around them. That is a true example of freedom. And we should continue to support and encourage that level of liberty so that even those that you might disagree with their choices, you can at least agree with their freedom to make that choice. I mean, there are countries around the world where you can't even listen to music. You can't make a painting or a drawing, let alone turn yourself into someone else. So God bless the United States of America, and God bless Caitlyn Jenner. Still to come, other hot stories from 2015, including Bill Cosby, Jared Fogle, and Jeffy. Uh, are you sure you want to say it quite like, like I'm that? I'm sure I do. When the year in your ear continues on the Blaze Radio Network. Counting down the biggest moments of 2015, this is... 2015, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. To 2015, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network at theblaze.com slash radio. Welcome back to the year in your ear with Doc and Skip. If you want to check out our daily radio program, all you have to do is listen on demand at theblaze.com slash Doc and Skip. That's theblaze.com slash Doc and Skip. Now, scandals happen every year. Celebrities fall from grace. Some years the scandals are bigger, some years smaller. Jeff Fisher joins us now from the Blaze Radio Network with a major scandal from 2015. This year we had two powerhouses fall from grace, two people we looked up to as good and true. First, William Henry Cosby Jr. We know him as Bill Cosby. The 78-year-old is known around the world for his role as the lovable father Heathcliff Huxtable on the long-running sitcom The Cosby Show and for having a stand-up comedy career that spans five decades. We loved him when his speeches and his comedy routines led us to believe doing the right thing was always the way to go. Now, with over 40 allegations against the man of sexual assault and or rape, the alleged incidents dating as far back as 1969. We know that several universities, Brown, Fordham, Marquette, have rescinded the honorary degrees that had previously bestowed on him. It does put him in some good, maybe a little bad company. I mean, Zimbabwean President Robert Mugabe had his taken away. He was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the country's highest civilian honor, in 2002, But President Obama today claims there's no way to take it back, which is kind of interesting in itself. Then, Eddie Murphy, who used his impression of Cosby for years in his act, finally commented on Bill as Bill in his first stage joke in almost 30 years during his acceptance speech when he was given the Mark Twain Prize for American Humor at the Kennedy Center in New York. Bill Bill, Bill has one of these. 
Did y'all make Bill give his back? No, because I know there was a big outcry from people. They was trying to get Bill to give his trophies back. You know you up when they want you to give your trophies back. He should do one show where he just come out and just talk crazy now. I would like to talk to some of the people who feel <laughs> that I should give back my trophies. Cosby also has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. That isn't going anywhere. No matter how bad the scandal over allegations or sexual assault might get, the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, which awards the stars, says it has gotten many requests to remove Cosby's star, which has graced the 6900 block of Hollywood Boulevard since it was awarded in 1977, to which Leon Gubler, president and chief executive of the chamber, has a simple response. The answer is no. Many of us watch the almost 30 women on Dateline tell their stories. I was so excited. You know, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. I met Bill Cosby in 1990. I was 26 years old. 24 years old. 23 years old. I think a lie always sees the light. My life changed when I met him for the worst. We're going to rectify it for him. True or false, right or wrong, convincing they were. They all had the same type of action against them. Drinks mixed with drugs, then passing out, waking up with him naked, and or the threat of no work in Hollywood from his recommendation, or bribery with plenty of work from his recommendation. In a deposition that was released from a previous case, when you got the quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these quaaludes for young women that you wanted to have sex with? Cosby was asked in the 2005 deposition. Yes, he replied. Asked whether he gave them to young women, his lawyers raised all kinds of objections, but Cosby testified later that he gave one and a half pills of the over-the-counter antihistamine drug Benadryl to Constand. He did briefly address the claims publicly, telling Florida Today, I know people are tired of me saying, and not me, not saying anything, but a guy doesn't have to answer to innuendos. Um, Since the recent rape allegations, Cosby's upcoming NBC show was killed. The Cosby show reruns have been pulled from TV land, and Netflix has postponed the comedian's stand-up comedy special. It's still important to note, Bill Cosby has never been criminally charged for any of these allegations, and it has universally denied all claims. But he will never be the same. He has fallen from grace. Next in line for our fall from grace in 2015, Jared Fogle. You know him as the Subway guy. The guy that came into your homes on TV telling you that Subway was great. And it was the reason he lost 285 pounds in a year. It was healthy. The guy that was at all the walks for cancer walks around the country, promoting health and subway. You like him. Heck, I liked him. I met him a couple of times over the years. He seemed like the guy you would expect. Then, Russell Taylor, head of Fogel's charitable organization since 2008, 
He served as executive director of the Jared Foundation, Fogel's charity to combat childhood obesity, in a report revealed that the organization did not pay out a single grant for that purpose and that 60% of its expenses from 2009 to 2013 went to Taylor's salary. He's arrested on preliminary child pornography charges. Court documents say Taylor produced and possessed child pornography of boys and girls as young as nine years old. He's since worked out a plea deal, 12 counts of child exploitation, one count of distributing and receiving child pornography. But still, we believed in Jared because following Taylor's arrest, the Jared Foundation cut all ties with the former executive director and Fogel issued a statement saying he was shocked by the allegations. Then the truth hits us in the face. Investigators with the FBI, state police, and postal service showed up at the home around 6.30 in the morning, one Tuesday morning, to conduct a raid after Fogel's wife and two young children left for the day. Fogel was detained outside the home while they worked for hours, bringing computer hard drives and other electronics and documents out of the house and into a waiting police trailer for analysis. An FBI spokesman confirmed that the agency is conducting a criminal investigation in the area, but he would not comment further on the search. However, there were some law enforcement sources confirming that Fogel is indeed a suspect in a child pornography investigation. Subway cuts all ties with Jared. It comes to light on Dr. Phil with an informant that showed us what a bad guy he really was and is. Jared would ask you if you enjoyed some very disturbing acts, but you found a way to engage him and still avoid talking about children yourself. What are you thinking while this is going on? I'm removing myself from who I am and embracing an imaginary person. I had to be two separate people in order to continue on with this investigation. Fogel agreed in August to plead guilty to one count of traveling to engage in illicit sexual contact with a minor and distribution and receipt of child pornography. Then, in November, U.S. District Judge Tanya Walton-Pratt sentenced former Subway pitchman Gerald Fogel to a prison term of more than 15 years, accepting a plea deal that sees him admit to charges of receiving child pornography and repeatedly having sex with minors. The case involved interstate travel to pay minors for sex, as well as at least 400 child pornography videos, many of which Fogel received from the head of his charity. Fogel was sentenced to 188 months on each count to be served concurrently, more than 15 and a half years. To be clear, they, Subway, ended its relationship with Fogel and called his actions inexcusable, and they are and always shall be. He will never be looked at the same way again. We still need people to look up to and to be heroes. But it always hurts when we find out that the ones we've let into our homes are the fallen ones. That's a great point, Jeffy. What about all the people that let Tom Brady in their house every weekend? No, absolutely. The deflate gate story was a big deal, too. Certainly going to hurt his reputation, Bill Belichick. I mean, yeah, it's not to the same level as the others because there's some pretty heinous crimes they were involved in. But, yeah, that's going to cast a shadow on them in the future. Yeah, another sad story, too, a Bobby Christina Brown, too, Whitney Houston's daughter passing yeah, on the hills right. of her mom. Yeah, and she wasn't to the same level of celebrity that her mom or Bill Cosby is. But 
it's still pretty sad. Awful, awful story this year. Coming up, the phenomena that is Black Lives Matter. Now, when you say phenomena, we mean like exercise and pointlessness. Sex. No, not phenomena, like the amazing spectacle. You know. oh. Chris Salcedo will join us on the Year in Your Ear next. Counting down the biggest moments of 2015. This is the Year in Your Ear. A special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. is 2015, the year in your ear, presented by the Blaze Radio Network. Doc and Skip from the Blaze Radio Network, happy to be joined by our buddy Chris Salcedo. How's it going, Chris? What do you got for us? Consequences. Consequences is what I'm going to talk about here. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Consequences to left-wing liberal thought and ideology. You examine liberalism, for example. Nothing inside of liberalism requires truth, does it? No, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, let, let me give you a prime example. Black lies matter. That, that's, I wish I could take credit for renaming the Black Lives Matter movement for what it is. Black lies matter. But that, that distinction belongs to Sheriff David Clark, who beat me to it and was completely appropriate in doing so. Case in point. Reading from The Blaze now, a New Jersey woman has been charged with making a false report to law enforcement after she alleged in a written statement that a police officer yelled and pointed his firearm at her during a traffic stop. Oh, that sounds egregious. Problem is, it never happened. Uh, this woman, uh, judging by the photo of her, of minority status... And she decided to be a good idea to lie about the police officer. The police officer decided to be a good idea to pull out the dash cam video and basically say, hey, she's lying. What if the video hadn't been present? What if it hadn't been there to exonerate this police officer? Oh, the Brian Williams press would have descended upon this police officer. He would have been assumed guilty. And guess what? Another police officer's life would have been ruined the same way it was up in Ferguson, Missouri. And this is where I circle back into liberalism. Truth doesn't matter. Advancing a liberal agenda, chaos, division, that's what matters. The aforementioned David Clark describing to America how we need to beat back these forces who would use lies and obfuscation to advance their ideological agenda. I am too pissed off tonight to be diplomatic about what's going on and I'm not going to stick my head in the sand about it. I said last December the war had been declared on the American police officer led by some high-profile people, one of them coming out of the White House, one coming out of the uh, uh, United States Department of Justice. And uh, it's open season right now. There's no doubt about it. Look, any time a law enforcement officer is killed, a little of every police officer in America dies along with them. I'm tired of hearing people uh, call these black activists. They're not activists. This is black slime, and it needs to be eradicated from the American society. But how do you do culture. it? How do you do it, Sheriff? Well, here's how you do it. I need every law-abiding person in the United States of America to stand up and start pushing back against this slime, this, this filth, this uh, disparaging the, the American law enforcement officer within these communities. When these ugly people come out and, and start this and start talking this stuff on social media to push back against it 
and demand, demand people uh, that belong to these organizations to get out of their town. There's no room for it. Can't we all unify around that idea? I mean, can we can we say that it's out of bounds to lie about somebody just to advance a political agenda? Unfortunately, it's what we're saddled with with the current administration by hook or by crook, whatever it takes to win, baby. And that seems to be the mentality by the American left these days. The sad thing is, I think they may be winning. And the cure is pretty simple after all. You need to be bold. You need to stand up and say, I will no longer accept this stuff. You need to heed the call of Sheriff David Clark. You need to tell these people to get the hell out of your town. Get the hell out of your face. Get off television. Get out of the White House. Speaking of being bold... Maybe telling the truth about these people for a change would work. Again, we turn to Sheriff David Clark. Well, that's precisely it. And that's why I renamed this group Black Lies Matters, because if black lives really mattered, they'd be protesting all of the black on black crime. Amen. Thanks, Sheriff Clark. Yeah, but I mean, you can't talk about lies and racial lies without mentioning Rachel Dolezal. Of course, she's the uh, NAACP president who is white but claims to be, well, identifies as black. Does she self-identify as black? Yes. Then that's not a lie. Although it is a lie to say she is black, which she says. Well, I definitely am not white. Nothing about being white describes who I am. Of course, we can't talk about Rachel Dolezal without bringing up our other buddy, Sean King. The guy who said he identifies with being black, but... Also is a white guy. He also is a white guy or whatever. Again, not lying about identifying. I'm sure they do, but lying about being, that's the problem with it. They're just confused. Those are some of my favorite, most ridiculous stories from 2015. These people are off their rocker, and the fact that they have any credibility is amazing. We still have to discuss 2015 terrorism, Obama's gun grab attempts, that and more coming up on The Year in Your Ear. 2015, The Year in Your Ear, a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Security was grossly inadequate. I've lost more sleep than all of you put together. I was so excited. You know, Bill Cosby. From Triumph. No one should control access to the internet. To tragedy. This is an act of barbarism here in Paris. Refugees became a huge story all of a sudden. And everything in between worth remembering. 2015, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts... Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe. Doc and Skip with the year in your ear. We're regularly heard on theblaze.com slash Doc and Skip. Go ahead and check that out and find out all about us. Listen to any of our programs. It's theblaze.com slash Doc and Skip. We're real easy to get a hold of, too, on Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. As you're listening, share your thoughts on 2015. Share what you think about 2016. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Doc Thompson Show and at Skip Lacombe. For the Obama administration, 2015 was, among other things, again, about trying to infringe your Second Amendment rights. And unfortunately, there were a bunch of knuckleheads in 2015 that gave him the ammunition to make that argument by using firearms for despicable attacks. 
Now, of course, that's not a good argument that Obama makes, but they do give him the ammunition to make that argument. No, we've seen that this year, too. And it seems like oftentimes we've got these progressives who are always just kind of lying in wait for one of these tragedies to happen. It's the it's the center stone of progressivism of never let a serious crisis go to waste. And they will do that. They'll sit and they'll wait. And it doesn't matter if it happens with a gun or a knife or anything. These tragedies are going to happen. The difference is they want to go ahead and use these tragedies to go ahead and push their agenda. I'm glad you used the the term lie in wait, because that's what they're doing. Think how despicable this is. In order to simply grab your gun to infringe your Second Amendment right based on their crazy ideas of, of control, they wait until a tragedy happens, stand on those dead bodies, at least in the news, stand amongst them and point to them and say, now... We've got to come after your guns. We've got to pass laws that often would not actually have prevented those tragedies from happening. But then, Skip, they don't actually do anything else. There are things they could do to promote, to work on, to discuss legislation, whatever, to try to stop these things from happening. And it has nothing to do with infringing a person's gun rights. They could do it, but they don't. They go back to their business, same as usual. They, they say to us, oh, we these tragedies, we all say it's horrible, then we go back to business as usual until the next one happens. They do that as well. They wait till the next one happens. They make a big hullabaloo about coming after your guns, try to work on some gun legislation, and then they go back to business instead of actually working on something that would help people, that would stop these tragedies from happening. Well, I'm glad you pointed out, too, that oftentimes these things that they're proposing would not have even stopped the crime in which they're they're using to exploit that. I mean, oftentimes when these people get guns, they have them legally or they steal them. The, the types of restrictions that they're often pushing would not do anything anything to stop these so really what is their goal in that i mean it, it, i wonder if guns truly is the end game and you go down to the conspiratorial route of maybe it is just total control they want with a they one state system i cannot believe that they are that stupid let's go for a moment in in recent years and certainly in 2015 what they've tied tried to do to infringe your second amendment rights on the claims that it would stop these tragic situations from happening these mass shootings number one they always say Gun violence. They're not concerned with any other violence, right? It's just got to be gun violence. But okay, you want to start with guns because a lot of people are are uh, killed or injured because somebody has uh, perpetrated a, a violent act with a gun. Fine, let's go down that road. Some of the legislations that they've proposed in the past has been, uh, for example, let's close that so-called gun show loophole. Now what that is, it would mean that even in private sellers... Exchanges between or commerce between private citizens, not a, a business, you would have to have a background check. Skip, if you quote unquote close that and we changed it, we'd have to have a background check. Number one, how do you how do you implement that? How is it enforced? You can't enforce that. Right. But even if they did it, would that stop people from killing with guns? No. Because I could borrow your gun, I could steal your gun. And, you, and a background check is not infallible to begin with. So that proposal shows it would do virtually nothing. Well, even if they were to do that, too, what if somebody who's a private seller just opts not to do the background check? Well, there's that exactly. And what if you have a background check, it's done, everything's great, and you go crazy six months later? <laughs> right? I mean, a background check is not the end-all, be-all. None of that would actually help. So they keep hammering that. Why? 
It's that little bit of control chipping away. One of the most recent ones that popped up just a month or so ago in 2015 was the no-fly list. Now, I heard it start rumbling months ago, but really, it came to head after the tragic shootings in San Bernardino. And President Obama came out and again called for the end of allowing someone on the no-fly list to legally purchase a firearm. What would that do? Again, most of these shootings have not been done by people that are on the no-fly list. What does that have to do with it? Now, the idea is, well, these are terrorists. Should they have firearms? Yeah, but that doesn't make any sense. Number one, the no-fly list is filled with people who shouldn't be on it. Ted Kennedy was even on it. Although I'm not so sure that one was a mistake. Oh, that's a good that point. Maybe that one was accurate. No, but the point is, I mean, if there's terrorists that are on this no-fly list that we need to restrict things like them being able to purchase a gun, don't you think we might need to be arresting them or taking a look at some other things of why they're even here? So the no-fly list, number one, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There are people on it. That shouldn't be on it. Number two, they would circumvent probable cause or even your uh, right to due process to to infringe your Second Amendment rights because they just put you on the list and then that would say you can't legally purchase a firearm. Plus, it's even worse than that. Plus, we found out the determining factor of who ends up on the no-fly list comes down to who they believe may in the future pose a threat. Not based on your track record, not what you've done in the past. So this also infringes other rights. It is a failure from top to bottom. And it shows, once again, they just are going to wait till a tragedy to try to go after your guns. It's not about helping people. It's not about securing America. And it's likely that 2016 is going to be the same way. I mean, it makes no sense for them to stop now. This is going to be in their MO, and they're going to continue doing it. To share the story of one of those horrible mass shootings that happened in 2015, here's Mike Opelka. It was June 17th. The evening of June 17th in Charleston, South Carolina, at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, otherwise known as the Emanuel AME to the locals. This is a historic church, one that has been active in the Deep South with a rich tradition for decades. But during a Bible study on that night of June 17th, something horrific happened. Dylan Roof, a 21-year-old white kid, sat through almost an hour of the Bible study before he stood up, pulled a gun out of his pocket, and killed nine members of the Emanuel AME, including the beloved pastor. Dylan Roof did not know these people. They had welcomed him into their Bible study. They had opened their hearts and their church to him. And yet he, in hopes of starting a race war, killed nine innocent people. Roof escaped and was eventually captured thanks to the watchful community that was shocked and horrified by what he had done. And they were on the lookout for him. In fact, the woman who spotted him was running late for work on Thursday, the next day. But she had seen the car police had described. And she had also noticed the guy driving it had the same bowl haircut. So she stopped and tipped the police off. Dylan Roof was eventually caught by the police. 
He was arrested, charged, and awaits final trial. We believe and we hear he has confessed to all nine murders. So the resolution of this trial should be fairly easy. And the state has also said they will request the death penalty. Several things happened after that horrific night of June 17th. As you might expect, President Obama used the horrible tragedy to again push for more gun control in the country. Despite the fact that a clerical error was the only reason Dylan Roof was able to get a gun. Had the government done his job, he never would have had a firearm. Obama came to Charleston, South Carolina, and eulogized the pastor, again pushing his agenda. But that's not the amazing thing that happened. One of the most remarkable moments in the midst of this horrible tragedy happened less than 48 hours after the murders. It was during Dylan Roof's first appearance in court. He was being arraigned. And some of the family members and friends of the victims wanted to be in the courtroom to say something. One specifically had lost her mother. Nadine Collier is the name of the woman whose mother, Ethel Lance, was taken that night. Ethel Lance was among the Bible study group who Dylan Roof had killed. But Nadine Collier stood up in that courtroom and said three simple words that rattled the people in the courtroom to their very core, and possibly many of us around the country as well. Nadine Collier said to Dylan Roof, the man who killed her mother, I forgive you. I don't know if I would have had the same kind of strength, but Nadine Collier did, and so did many of the family members and friends of other victims, one by one, standing up, letting them know through their grief that God forgave him, and so did they. Five months later, just this past month, two of the biggest colleges in South Carolina, Clemson University and the University of South Carolina, faced off in the annual football game. They play for pride in South Carolina. And these two rivals put everything aside to honor those victims. It had only been five months, and yet, those two school bands at halftime formed a giant message to the country that said South Carolina strong. They joined together to pay tribute to the people in the Palmetto State of South Carolina, known as the Emanuel Nine. Perhaps all of us can take a page out of those two universities' book and learn that we have to forgive and we have to come together. And that's how we go forward. 
You can follow Mike Opelka on Twitter. It's at StuntBrain. That's at StuntBrain. Coming up, Robin Walensky reminds us of a 2015 story that was both scary and funny. Wait, she isn't covering the Kim and Kanye baby, is no, she? No, it's nothing. It's not that Are story. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. We will be Kardashian-free when the year in your ear continues. Counting down the biggest moments of 2015. This is... 2015, the year in your ear. Brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network. Biggest stories of 2015 recounted. This is the year in your ear from the Blaze Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe. Hi, it's Doc and Skip with the year in your ear. Terrorism was thrust back into the forefront of the minds of Americans in 2015 with the attacks on Paris and then the attacks on San Bernardino. So how is a story that broaches the topic of terrorism also kind of funny? Well, when it's about a kid who builds what looks like a bomb, but claims it's a clock. Robin Walensky is here to share the story of Ahmed the Clock Kid. But first, Skip, that story was both scary and pretty funny. And odd and strange and interesting. No, of course. Listen, the clock that this kid built is straight out of central casting in terms of what you want a bomb (laughs) to look like in a briefcase. So I don't think there's any real debate about what the thing looked like. And the story gets stranger and stranger. And I don't think it makes him look very good now, too, that they flee the country after the story is resolved. Now, come on, come on. He just likes to invent things. My hobby is to invent stuff. That's Ahmed Mohammed. He brings a homemade device to his high school here in Irving, Texas, which looks just like a bomb. I do a lot of stuff, for example, inventing inventing this type of stuff right here, transformers. You, you get what I'm saying here. While he claims it's a clock, his teacher at MacArthur High School taking no chances and calling 911. Police arrest him. Then President Obama welcomes the Muslim teen to the White House. Now Ahmed and his family want $15 million from the city of Irving and an apology from the mayor and police chief. I made a clock. It was really easy. I wanted to show her something small at first. But they took a wrong point of it and they saw it was a bomb. So I got arrested for a hoax bomb. That's Ahmed in an interview with the Dallas morning news. Now, as for the device itself, it was in a silver briefcase with all sorts of wires hanging out and attached to an old Radio Shack clock manufactured back in the 1980s. It was a digital clock and a digital display had four four number lines on it. A number line of hour and a number line of minutes. And when and the clock was made in the middle case, uh, a middle box and I put the circuit board in there with the digital display in there with it. Ahmed, who is 14 years old, suspended for three days, but no charges ever filed. An officer and the principal came and took me up, and they took me to a room filled with five officers, which they interrogated me and searched through my stuff and took my tablet and my invention. And then later that day, I was taken to a juvenile center detention center where they searched me, they took the fingerprint and mugshots of me. 
and they they searched me until my parents came and I got to leave the building and the station. Then his parents, without warning, pulling him out of the school and relocating to Qatar. Before he leaves, Ahmed, one of 300 guests, attending astronomy night at the White House. And he meets and speaks with President Obama, who tweets him an invite to the event in Washington, D.C. The clock itself, it was in a, a box you could get at Target for like $5, $10. And they were telling me it's a suitcase, briefcase, or like a movie bomb which is what they were charging me of. No, I never said anything about, I, I have a bomb, never. It made me feel like I wasn't human. I, it made me feel like a criminal. Okay, so he felt like a criminal. It made him feel like a criminal. Well, I have a way that he could stop feeling like a criminal. Can you have some advice for him, yes, maybe? if he stopped acting like a criminal. Huh. Now, I'm not saying what he did building a clock was criminal, but come on. You are acting as if a criminal would. That's the whole point. If people perceive that your, your clock is a bomb, then you are acting like a criminal would act. So people perceive that as a criminal activity. So you're actually being a criminal? Maybe not. But bottom line is the kid was told not to show the clock to anybody else. The teacher recognized that, huh, the clock that you built looks a little suspicious. Well, good job, buddy. Just don't show that to anybody else because they may get the wrong impression. They were actually giving him the tools as to not get in trouble, and he just shirked them. Imagine for a moment that I am slinking around in the middle of the night Behind a couple of businesses with a ski mask on and a rope. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just going skiing. Uh, right. I'm just outside cold carrying this rope home from a friend's house, whatever. There could be a legitimate explanation to that. However, what does it look like to police officers? Criminal activity or at least potentially criminal activity. So what do you do? You investigate that. If they believe there was a bomb in school, they should investigate it. And if you felt like a criminal, I'm sorry. Maybe you got a big Middle Eastern chip on your shoulder. Maybe it's not me casting aspersions on your character. Maybe you should realize that you are not doing what you have to do to make sure people don't think you are a criminal. But he just likes to build things, Just likes to build things, yes. Build things that look like bombs. Build things that look like he may be a criminal, yes, of course. Wow. Coming up when the year in your ear continues, the Blaze Radio Network's Buck Sexton will discuss the attacks on Paris, and Mike Slater will track the terrorists in San Bernardino. You're listening to the year in your ear, rehashing the biggest stories of 2015 with your hosts, Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe from the Blaze Radio Network. to 2015, the year in your ear, brought to you by the Blaze Radio Network at theblaze.com slash radio. Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe on the year in your ear. You can find out more about us by going to theblaze.com slash doc and skip. It would be difficult not to put the attacks on Paris at the top of the list of the biggest American stories in 2015. From the Blaze Radio Network, we're joined now by Buck Sexton. On the evening of November 13th of this past year, Paris suffered a series of horrific jihadist terrorist attacks. As we know, they were tied to individuals inspired by and also, at least in some cases, trained by the Islamic State. And there were over 130 people 
um, that were or 130 people were killed in those attacks and hundreds more were injured. Now, this was a moment that, of course, as all of these mass casualty attacks do, it shocked the world's consciousness. It shocked um, our sense of how safe we could be in a capital city and a capital city, not just of France, but of really what we could broadly term Western civilization. And that these acts, which were specifically intended and very obviously intended to hit every part of French society outside of a soccer stadium, multiple suicide bombers detonating, shooting up people who were at a concert in the Bataclan Hall, shooting up restaurants. These various jihadist terror cells were trying to make sure that we knew that their target was French society, Western society and civilization itself. All aspects of it, all people, no matter who you are, could be a target merely for existing in this world that is considered by the jihadists of ISIS and the jihadists around the world as a threat to their view of what the future must be. Both uh, the, the current reality of Islam and also the future reality of a caliphate. They think that the existence of Western civilization itself is something that must end. And so you have this attack with ISIS that came up, but immediately as well, there was a moment of recognition that these attacks, these horrific, vile, evil attacks on November 13th were inevitable. They were inevitable in the sense that we had been ignoring in the West for years the real depth and the real strength of the Islamic State. The Islamic State, which we had been told was so focused on trying to build a caliphate that it wasn't going to engage in these kind of external mass casualty attacks. It had other things that it was focused on, and therefore we could largely ignore it. We could contain it. And there's that word, the very word that President Obama used hours before the November 13th Paris attacks, hours before the mass slaughter on the streets of Paris outside of of a stadium in a concert hall at restaurants. President Obama said that ISIS has been contained. The entire world now knows beyond any reasonable doubt that ISIS is, of course, not in the least contained. It just has not yet been able to achieve its goals, but it continues to rule over a few million people. It feels more and more like a state all the time, and its very existence, the existence of ISIS, the existence of this caliphate known as the Islamic State, is a challenge to the West, is a threat to Western civilization. It has no other reason to exist. And the attacks were inevitable in the sense that we had, in many cases and in many places, in Europe, in America, been fooled or lied to and fooled into thinking that somehow these attacks, or rather that somehow this Islamic State group was not going to come for us. This war would not be brought to the West's doorstep. Now, you could say, as many have, that the attacks were in Europe and not America, so we should not overreact in this country. But understand that Paris may have been the target then. America is still very much the target now. And when you have a jihadist entity that has 
vast reserves of cash and fighters at its disposable, willing to die, willing to kill as many innocents as possible, willing to do anything to make life unlivable in the West, in America, to strike at the very heart of Western civilization, which is the United States of America. They will come for us and they will hit us if we don't hit them first. If there can be any lesson of the November 13th attacks in Paris, I think that's what it would have to be. Going into 2016, we better realize that vigilance and action are in fact required to defeat ISIS. Thanks, Buck. The Paris attack was huge, even here in the U.S. We watched round the clock for updates, concerned with what was going on. But when terrorists struck America just weeks later, it made both stories even bigger. Mike Slater is going to share that story next when The Year in Your Ear continues. This is 2015. The Year in Your Ear, a special presentation from the Blaze Radio Network. Is 2015, the year in your ear, presented by the Blaze Radio Network. This is the year in your ear, a service of the Blaze Radio Network and heard on great radio stations coast to coast. I'm Doc Thompson, along with Skip Lacombe. One of the reasons the San Bernardino attack was so confusing was it didn't seem to fit the mold of terrorism. As we watched the information coming in, we couldn't figure out what would be at the center of it. We thought, well, it can't be terrorism. It doesn't fit the mold, but it actually did. See, we still believe that terrorists attack in only certain ways. But the San Bernardino terrorists were actually pretty similar to Paris, the Boston bombers, the attacker in Charlie Hebdo. And that has become the new mold of people going into a location, shooting up, fleeing and trying to escape. Usually ends up with it being in a shootout with police. And that now has become the mold of terror. They're going to strike in whatever way they believe to be effective. Guns explosives, whatever it takes to cause damage and terror, and then they flee and move on with another string of terror behind them. With more on the San Bernardino terrorist attacks from KFMB Radio in San Diego, Mike Slater is with us. I want to tell the story of Shannon Johnson. He was in that room in the Inland Regional Center in San Bernardino, not too far from where I'm sitting right now. Shannon's 45 years old. Denise is 27. She was there as well. When the terrorist came in and started shooting, they were both huddled under a table behind a chair. He was shot, later died. Denise survived. She says, while I cannot recall every single second that played out that morning, I will always remember Shannon's left arm wrapped around me, holding me as close as possible next to him behind that chair. And amidst all the chaos, I'll always remember him saying three words. I got you. I believe I'm still here today because of this amazing man, this amazing selfless man who always brought a smile to everyone's face in the office with all his lively stories about his hometown back in Georgia. This is Shannon Johnson, my friend, my hero. I got you. <laughs> yeah, that, that should be our unofficial national motto. I got you. I mean, to me, that's as heroic as Todd Beamer on uh, United 93 during 9-11 saying, let's roll. Same idea, I got you. What does that mean, I got you? 
I'll tell you, it's the only way we'll survive. Forget about the terrorist threat for a second. I got you is the only way we'll survive anything. It's the only way we'll make it through any tragedy, any heartbreak, any disappointment. I got you is all we have in the end because we can't do it ourselves. We all need someone at some point to say, I got you. It's what we say to our kids, right? When they're learning to walk, I got you. Don't worry, I got you. When our kids are learning to swim, right? They'll be kicking on the surface of the water. Your hands are underneath your kid's stomach, keeping them afloat. What do you say? You say, I got you. When your kid's learning to ride a bike, you're right behind them, keeping them steady. I got you. It's your wedding vow, basically. (laughs) It could be shortened to, to three words. They can all be summed up with, I got you. Wife, when times are hard, I got you. But you also have to have me. Got to have each other. We're one, we're a team. I got you. When someone has a loss in the family, friend, coworker, whoever, the best way of consoling him. Or how about this? When a coworker has to take time off work to take care of their uh, their their mother in the hospital. What can we say? We say, hey, go be with your mom. I got you. Our service members, I mean, that's how our military works. No one ever runs away and leaves men behind. That's not how it works ever. It doesn't happen. Ask any service member. They'll tell you it's all about the person next to them. And that system works basically because they're saying, I got you. I think of the three Americans who were on that train in France a couple months back where the terrorists came on uh, waiting to shoot a couple hundred people on that train. And that first American jumped out of his seat. He was in the aisle seat and he jumped out of his seat and ran down the aisle towards the terrorist, knowing that his friend who was in the middle seat was basically saying, I got you. I'm right behind you. I got you. Shannon Johnson. When the bullets were flying, he reached over to the woman next to him, his co-worker, said, I got you. Think about this. When bullets are flying and you think you're going to die, are you going to have the wherewithal, the awareness, the ability to slow things down long enough to notice the young girl next to you, to be aware of her fear, to be aware of how scared she is. And in the midst of this, this chaos and evil and an excuse to have a selfish moment, are you going to be the person like Shannon Johnson who reaches over and says, I got you. This woman's alive because of it. So he was right. He fulfilled his promise. I got you. So my question is, and this Christmas uh, is a perfect time to reflect with your family and with your friends and coworkers and strangers. Are you the person who in any situation would say, I got you. Thanks, Mike. You can follow Mike Slater on Twitter at Slater Radio. That's at Slater Radio. One of the big projects Doc and I are going to be working on in the new year is to fix the VA. It's why we started the campaign to hashtag fix the VA. If you would, please share the videos, watch the videos, talk about this. Use that hashtag fix the VA and you can watch all of the videos at olavo.us. That's O-L-A-V-O dot U-S. Because if you want to change the culture at the VA, 
and you want to actually help veterans, we're going to have to do it ourselves. You and I are going to have to roll up our sleeves and do it ourselves. So please get behind the campaign. Hashtag fix the VA. Yeah, it's olavo.us hashtag fix the VA. As we look ahead to 2016, it can be pretty scary, pretty frustrating. I mean, we've talked about a lot of bad stuff that's happened in the last year. And some of that stuff's going to continue through next year. There's always been bad, but there's always been good, too. And you could argue, of course, that right now there's more bad than good. That with all that hangs over our heads from economic uncertainty, terrorism, the domestic struggles we have, that there's more bad now than good. Maybe that's true. But even if it is true, there is still a lot of good. Many things that should inspire you. You may have to look a bit harder to find those things to inspire. You may have to do some extra work to find the good But it's there. You just have to look for it. You have to be willing to notice it. I'll share a personal story with you. My parents, who are getting up there in age, who are in their twilight years, have decided to help raise their granddaughter's child. She has some financial struggles and she's moved in with them with her baby. And it's very nice of them. And she's a nice girl and I'm glad she's getting the help, but... Part of me doesn't want to see my parents have to go through that extra struggle of helping her to take care of a baby. They shouldn't be lifting a baby and up at night with babies. They're beyond that. They should be able to rest. And I even expressed that to them. I said, why are you guys going through this? And they said, oh, well, we like having the baby around. I said, you guys don't need this extra aggravation, the extra headache. Then I noticed something. I noticed how they interact with the baby. And how much joy the baby brings them. And I realize that baby being in their life brings them hope. Babies and children represent the future. That's their bit of good in the world. Now I know the realities of our world and what America's been going through. I like you, I live it every day. But if we're going to overcome, we have to stay engaged in the fight for right. And getting bogged down by the frustrations is just a hindrance. I live it. I know how difficult it is. But we have to remember what we're fighting for. We have to remember what good looks like. We start by counting our blessings. Noticing the good. Look around. It's there. And after you notice it, then set a high bar for yourself. Set high goals to be the best human that you can be. That's what we have to do. Set that bar high so we can be the best humans we can be. And then we help other people over that bar with us. I hope that 2016 brings you and America many, many more blessings. Happy New Year. For more information on the Blaze Radio Network, go to theblaze.com slash radio. The Year in Your Ear is a service of the Blaze Radio Network, executive producer Dom Theodore, produced by Sarah Sullivan. This has been 2015, The Year in Your Ear, a special presentation hosted by Doc and Skiff from the Blaze Radio Network.